Blog Talk Radio.
On July 6th, gather your family and friends for summer's biggest celebration, the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona. Experience a weekend of excitement with racing under the lights and celebrate Independence Day with patriotic tributes and the region's largest fireworks display over the infield at Daytona. The Coke Zero Sugar 400 will be a celebration to remember. Adult tickets start at $49, kids $20. Lock in your seats at 1-800-PIT-SHOP or DaytonaInternationalSpeedway.com. I'm Matt DiBenedetto, driver of the number 95 Procore Toyota Camry, and you're listening to The Pit Stop with Tim Despain. Good evening from Dega Nation. I'm Tim Despain, alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. The weather crow flies. I'm about eight miles south of this 2.66-mile monster we call Talladega Super Speedway, and Stephen Wilson is right outside of Richmond there. Stephen, how you doing this evening, brother? I'm doing pretty good of itself. Doing good. It's hot. It's hot. It is. We've had some storms come through here, and uh, earlier today, then the sun popped out, and you know how that, just like Jerry Clowers, that that, that humidity is rough, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had some storms over the last couple of days. It's been a little hot, a little windy, but, you know, we're all right now. And let our listeners know, Steve, the number to call in is 215-383-3681. Again, I'm Tim with Spain, alongside SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. Coming on the show here at 20 after the hour, we've got uh, Shane Lee made his debut back in the number 28 Super, Toyota Super there, Circuit City. I knew I was going to mess this up, so don't tell me to write it down. I keep wanting to say Richard Childers, but H2 Motorsports. But anyway, Steve, before we get out, we got a lot of breaking news. We had... Uh, NASCAR stripped Ross Chastain of a win, and then we had the altercation with uh, uh, Johnny Sauter and Austin Hill on the track there. And uh, NASCAR sent down their penalty today, and I'm going to hit my breaking news button. I know we got a lot to talk about that. Stephen NASCAR got uh, Johnny Sauter. Uh, for 12.8.1c in the sanctioned bodies rule book member conduct guidelines. If I can, I want to read that out. Uh, member actions that could result in a loss of 25 to 50 driver and team owner points and or $12,500 to $25,000 fine and or one race suspension, indefinite suspension or termination. They didn't do that. And here's a little subtitle under it just to sort of outline that. Physical confrontation with a NASCAR official, media member, fans, etc. Another notation, member-to-member confrontation with physical violence and other violent manifestations such as significant threat and or abuse and or endangerment. Another subtitle, attempted to manipulate the outcome of a race or championship. We've talked about that one a ton of times, but here's what they got him on. Intentionally wrecking another vehicle, whether or not that vehicle is removed from competition, as re, as a result, uh, Stephen Johnny Sauter done what you and I witnessed in Martinville a few years back. The same thing Matt Kenseth done to Joe Logano. But uh, talk a little bit about that and what this means for the future there of Johnny Sauter running for the uh, for the National Gun Outdoor Truck Series Championship. It doesn't change anything for him. Um, he has a win this season, and NASCAR has this part of the penalty has. Um, Stated that he's still eligible to run in the playoffs, and the win will solidify him into that. 
Um, the only thing that he will have to worry about is make sure he stays above that 20, uh, uh, 20 cut line, uh, 20 place point cut line. Um, so depending on, you know, where he now falls in at um, with all the penalties, um, you know, that, that would be the only big hindrance to him at this time as well as the fine that they're going to have to dole out. But him sitting off to the side this week isn't really going to change anything as far as um, – you know, his run for the championship later on this season starts in about oh, uh, about two months or so. Now, David, you were you were covering the, the uh race there and you put out on on your Twitter that uh NASCAR had, had parked Johnny Johnny Sauter. Do you think NASCAR that, that should have been enough penalty there for parking him or do you think that they did the right thing with this uh sanctioned body rule twelve dot one dot eight dot one C? Yeah, honestly, I think that was probably enough, um, you know, for them just to park him like they did, probably strip him of some points, unearned driver points, and then, um, you know, fining him as well as, I think, probation. Uh, and I think, you know, we continue to say that we want these drivers to have some kind of, um, you know, uh, uh, some kind of uh, emotions out there. And uh, I think we saw this weekend with the emotions that, that Johnny Sauter had, you know, this is something that had been building up for the last couple of weeks, all the way since Texas the week before, uh, with Austin Hill and him going at it. Um, they didn't, he didn't feel like, you know, they had raced one another the way that they should. But, you know, you know, I think we need, you know, I, I don't want to necessarily condone the actions of using the race vehicle as a weapon, but, um, you know, they did this on the race, on the racetrack. I think it was far enough away from, you know, people when it happened. Um, that it wasn't, you know, it, it could have been serious, sure, but, you know, at least they didn't use a weapon to hit another car. They hit, hit another um, driver, didn't, I mean, another crew member officially, anything like that. And, you know, I, I think that was just him, you know, expressing his feelings on the fact of the way that he was raced back in, uh, had been raced earlier in the race, as well as what Austin Hill had done to him, um, and, and just the week prior in, in, in uh, Texas. So, you know, I think just, like I said, I think just setting him to the side like the dead, parking him for the day, and, you know, giving last place points if that's what you want to do, take away some, take away some, uh, you know, some points driver and owner, uh, put him on probation until the end of the year, and, uh, you know, send him with a fine, and, you know, I think that's harsh enough as it is. Um, you know, this is not something that we've seen a pattern, you know, particularly, you know, Johnny, Johnny's father is a hard racer. He's an old school type of racer. And, um, you know, I, I think it's just really the fact of uh, what NASCAR had already done as well as what they could implement on side of that. Uh, you know, if there's just something that went on and on and on and on, and, you know, they turn up race trucks every week, things like that, then, yeah, I could see, you know, going and escalating the penalties harsher and harsher each time. But uh, as far as what they did at, at, at the particular time and then adding on some stuff later on, I think was, was um, really all um, that they really should have been concerned about right at the moment, um, you know. But then again, I think the precedent had already been set uh, with uh, Kyle Busch uh, just a couple of years ago at Texas with uh, uh, um, excuse me, I can't I can't remember who I can see the person. Uh, man, uh, uh, help me out here. Who who was uh, who was he racing? It wasn't Mike Skinner's. Uh, Oh man, I can't Don't put me on the spot either. You know, 
Like until Ron Hornaday, where Ron Hornaday is Ron Hornaday, those two guys right. the accomplished turn Ron Hornaday slammed him into the wall there and then the Kenny's logo and I was saying, you know, I think the president the president has already been set at that point. So there's kind of really it's not it's not a point of no return where you have to apply that same precedence going forward. And um, you know, really I think that it it was something that you know, I don't, I don't honestly think that they could have done it another way. Although, you know, my particular feeling on is parking a driver uh, for the day should serve as suffice. But we already had a running, we had a running precedence as it was. And Stephen, it seems like all the drama was this weekend at Iowa in the NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series. A uh, good friend, Ross Chastain, you know, which we talked about last week, he had announced he was going to run uh, full time. NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series for the uh, championship, and then all of a sudden uh, we got we got this drama too. And uh, to let our listeners know, Stephen uh, Ross uh, failed post post race inspection with the front end of the truck being too low. Um, and this is the first time in decades that NASCAR has stripped a win, Stephen. And they had mentioned that they were going to do this. Nice come down harder on them. Nineteen sixty. God, that's been a long time. Golly, I knew it had been yeah. a long time, but this is the first time that yeah, they the actually race winner, done it. The race winner. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, yeah, it was back in 1960. A race winner um, at Wilson Speedway in North Carolina um, was found to um, process inspection where the fuel tank was enlarged um, and stripped um, the wind from that driver down that particular day. So, yeah, we had to go all the way back to 1960 to see a race winner themselves to be um, uh, disqualified. I think Stephen might have dropped. Stephen, you still there, brother? Stephen might have dropped. We'll give him a minute here. Uh, I know he said he had some storms coming through up there. But, again, the number to call in is 215-383-3681. Again, I'm uh, Tim Spain alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com, Mr. Stephen Wilson. Here shortly we have uh, a driver, uh, our good friend Shane Lee going to swing by. He's back uh, full-time in the NASCAR Xfinity Series now. But just like Stephen had, had mentioned there, Brett Moffitt had got all the way to the airplane. Before they finally got in touch with him, text him, or however that they got him. But I want to play some of the media center audio there uh, from Brett Moffat after they called him back when they stripped win there from uh, uh, Ross Chastain, and we'll we'll get Stephen back on in just a minute. All right, folks, if we can have your attention here in the media center, uh, we're going to go ahead and get started with our post-race press conference with the winner of today's M&M's 200 and NASCAR. Gander Outdoor Truck Series, driver of the number 24, Destiny Home Smart Series Chevrolet for GMS Racing, Brett Moffitt. Brett, congratulations. Congratulations on the uh, $50,000 bonus. Uh, talk to us a little bit about your race, and then we'll take questions from the media. Uh, obviously, I was very disappointed, anyone down in the bullpen. Uh, probably heard that and put it out already, um, but it's uh, it's a big change of emotions, and obviously this is not the way I want to win it as, as a race car driver. I I still know I got beat on track, which is frustrating, but 
um, you know, back in, in the beginning of the year when NASCAR implemented this new system, it was to clear up the Tuesday disqualifications and the encumbered wins and uh, let the fans know and, and everyone else know who actually won the race. So it's, uh, I still would rather take the checkered um, and be the first one to it, but I'll take a win any way I can get it. And that solidifies our, our playoff spot and uh, 50,000 bucks and a shot at 100 grand or 150 grand next week. So it's all good. And uh, we had a really good uh, Chevrolet today. Um, just came up one short on, on track, and thankfully it all worked out. Well, let's open up the questions. We'll start right up front here with Jerry. Jerry Jordan kicking the tires. Uh, can you tell us, did you know this was going down, and, and what were your thoughts as soon as you heard that, uh, that this had happened? I was halfway to the airport. I was already changed in the motorhome, drinking some beers, and headed to the airport, and uh, mad as hell. So, uh, no, I didn't know. And then uh, the team called me and said, you know, head back this way. Um, so, obviously, there was an issue. Um, but, you know, I think it's for the integrity of the sport, it's the right thing to do. Obviously, I came out on the good end of it. If I was in Ross's shoes, I probably wouldn't be too thrilled about it. But um, it is what it is, and we finally got a win that we needed, and we'll move on. We'll go up front to Jeremiah. Jeremiah Davis, Inside Track, JD.com. Brett, you're a little happier now <laughs> than the last time I talked to you. The I describe, I guess, the swing of emotions from when we talked to you out on pit road to right now. Yeah, I mean, I went from drinking my sorrows away to being happy. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's frustrating losing. And I think when you know you have a, a truck capable of the win and and finishing second, that's the most frustrating thing out there. I'd rather finish tenth than second any day of the week. Obviously, not points wise and and et cetera, but. Um, you know, second is just like you're so close. And, and to run in the top three, you know you have a truck capable of winning. It's all about how the race plays out and how you execute the race, which this was the first race really of the season where I thought everything went smoothly. Um, you know, I thought it was really something to gain on. I talked to everyone after the race, Mike Beam and, and my crew chief, Jerry, and, you know, we're, we were just trying to build momentum off this run. It was a solid day, um, but obviously I was mad that we finished second. And, um yeah, I mean it's it's a roller coaster of emotions. I've been through that a lot in my career, and thankfully it worked out in my favor for once. Additional questions for our race winner? We'll go to Jim Utter, then we'll come up front. Jim Utter Motorsport .com. Despite the circumstances of getting the win, now that you have it, can this be a game changer in your season? For sure, like like I just mentioned, you know, talking to uh, Mike Beam and Jerry after the race, I, I thought this race was already somewhat of a game changer, just the way it, we executed the race, um, not to 100%, but we executed better than we had in the past, and everything was just smooth and calm, and we were just having a good day. Um, you know, so like I said, we were already talking about building on that into the future, and obviously now getting a win, we can be a lot more aggressive with our, with our strategy calls, with our setups, and just try to actually make the organization as a whole better. Um, you know, GMS has been really strong in the past, and we've been strong this year, but everyone's always working at getting better. So I think this opens the door to, to really try some stuff and, and try to move forward. We'll go to the far right to Alan, and we'll come up front. Alan Cavana, Fox Sports. For those, who, for those of us, myself, who may not understand, being too low in the front, how, how, is that, or how can that be an advantage here at this track? Yeah, so... Um, 
obviously the Cup Series went away with the ride height rule, and now you see the Cup cars rolling around the garage on the ground, and it just makes um, you know when we're under speed we travel to that to that height. Um, that's the the ultimate per performance. You want the splitter about eighth inch to a quarter inch off the ground. That helps the underneath aerodynamics and and it really utilizes the underside of the bodies. NASCAR has really restricted everyone on the outside of the body, so everyone kind of feels tapped out. So now teams go to work on the underneath side. Um, so to be able to just run around there at one one height all race long or, or all run long, it just really controls where you're at. It's almost like at this point you're on bump stops, um, which in the truck series we have to be on springs to actually come back up. So it's, it's just an aero advantage, um, and it's a setup advantage to where you don't have to then travel to that height. You just stay at that height once you get up to speed and once you get loaded. So, um, you know, obviously if, if there was no ride height rule, we'd all be, you know, slammed to the ground, rolling through the garage like the cup cars are. But uh, the, the trick of the truck series is how do we maintain that height at speed and then have it come back up after the race. We'll go right up front, then we'll go to Jeremiah. John Steppe, Cedar Rapids Gazette. How much, speaking of that roller coaster of emotions, how much more significant is that when you're doing it at Iowa Speedway, your home track? It's great, uh, but I want to win on the racetrack. I don't, like, you know, we missed out. Steve, let's hold that thought there, talking about uh, Brett Moffat there and uh, Ross Chastain with their, with their swapping the positions or what have you. Let's go ahead and bring on a uh, driver of the number 28 uh, Circuit City Toyota Super for HT Motorsports. And, Shane, I've been trying not to mess it up because I want to keep saying cheers. But uh, bring in Shane Lee in the pit stop for Timmy Spain and Stephen Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Shane Lee, I apologize for that. I told Suzanne I was going to mess it up because I was used to you being with Childress Racing. But uh, thanks for coming on tonight, brother. We appreciate it. Oh, it's all good. Thanks for having me. We really do appreciate it. Like I said, Steve Wilson, SteveWayDowDash.com. He's up in Richmond. I'm I'm here in uh, Talladega. If I can, I want to ask you a couple of questions, and I'll throw you over to Stephen and let him get you out of here. Uh like I mentioned, you know, you had run a limited schedule there with Richard Childress and the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and you and I spoke after the uh, 2018 season. You didn't know where you were going to end up. And now, all of a sudden, in just a few weeks, you've signed with HT Motorsports. HT Motorsports has started this new team and brought you along with them. Can you talk a little bit about how that deal got rolling, Shane, and also talk a little bit about Circuit City coming aboard? You know, I met... Matt Hurley, who owns H2 Motorsports. I met him actually through some of the guys at RCR last year when he was talking about coming into the sport. And we just had sort of not really had become friends, but we just talked back and forth. Him and his girlfriend would come down and just hang out with us. And it's coming around January, February. He was just asking me if I was ready to go racing and stuff. And I was like, I didn't really have any plans to go racing this year, which I did because I hadn't ran a race yet or not, and he had started talking about if he started his own race team, would I be interested in driving for him, which 
you get a lot of stuff like that. People talking about shark racing and stuff, and you're like, don't know whether they're full of crap or what. So I'm sort of hesitant on it. Didn't really say yay or nay, and just sort of went with it. But it's one of those deals that Matt worked on this deal really hard since probably February, going to pretty much every race, just getting in line with the right manufacturers and just talking with everybody as far as team wise and stuff to see how he could go about doing it. He got aligned with Toyota and some people building the race cars and everything come together pretty good and after that i told him i was in and then we've just been working on it pretty good he's hired a bunch of good people at the race shop with pete rondo and mike lingerfelt and them guys and i got a couple guys from rcr that was on my team last year on the team so it's just all coming together pretty good and we got through the first race this week in iowa I've got can't think circuit city and tam running up coming on board and trd's health and it's just it's going to take a couple of weeks to get these cars figured out with everything being new. And Iowa, we expected to be a lot better in Iowa, but we took a brand-new car that's never seen a racetrack before. Then practice rained out after we got about 15, 20 laps in, and then it just sort of wasn't meant to be for us to get that car figured out in Iowa this week. So we'll take a, another shot at it at Chicago. That was going to be my next question there, Shane. You know, you've been out of state there for five, six, seven months, what what have you, and then getting that limited time there. Can you talk a little bit about how the Toyota handles versus the Chevrolet that you used to drive? And just if you would have had more track time, which I want to give you kudos. You know, you uh, started uh, 17th, finished 18th. You held your own. You finished your race. But talk a little bit about how the car handled during the race there at Iowa Speedway. No, overall, we just really starting in practice in the short amount of laps we got there, then qualifying and race. We had pretty much the same balance the whole time, just being overall too tight and then just really stiff on the front bump strings and stuff like that and just bouncing off the track. Just couldn't ever get it to finish rotating. We did. We gave away a couple spots there at the end. We probably were going to end up running 15th, but at that point for – 15th to 18th, we just kept hitting on the last two cautions just to see if we could make the car better and better for races in the future to see how the car responded. So we didn't really care where we finished at that point. We just really wanted to finish the race. As far as handling-wise, it'd probably take a couple more weeks to get it in. I don't think I was a great point of reference for how our cars are going to handle the rest of the year. I think it was just our first race and took a little bit to get that first race out of the way, let everybody know we was there, and we started out overall decent i mean nobody happy with that finish so everybody that looked at it as a new team think that's pretty good for a first finish but there ain't nobody on this team that expects to run where we ran this week and it's definitely gonna be better when we go to chicago and shane again my final question uh talk a little bit about iowa speedway like you said y'all had all the rain delays you come back to a green track and Exactly. When did the track rubber in? When did when did it really feel good to you there at Iowa Speedway for your Toyota Super there for AFT Motorsport? You know, the, the rain, as far as we luckily we got any practice, and NASCAR helped us out with rescheduling the first practice to start at 4.30 out there, which helped us get a little bit in before the last major storm came in that sort of washed out the end of that practice and the second practice. It really looked like we'd about to have a tornado out there. I thought we'd all about to be in trouble, but other than that, I mean, the track, it rubbered in relatively quickly, but under caution, and the cars are just continually pick the rubber back up. So it's just a little bit of mixture the whole time with laying down rubber and picking it back up. But overall, I mean, 
Iowa Speedway is a great track, and it's probably one of my favorite tracks we go to. It's just one of those tracks that handling really comes in the key, and the track's so rough that ride quality really matters, and it's just a little bit that we'll have to work on with being a new team, but we get to go back there in six weeks and try it again and see if we can improve on anything. Shane, congratulations on your new deal there with HT Motorsports. I think uh, mine and Suzanne's next race will be in Darlington. If I don't go to another one prior to then, if not, I'll see you in Darlington Raceway. And congratulations again from Suzanne and I, and good luck on the rest of the 2019 season. And I'm going to hand you over to SpeedwayDigest.com for Stephen Wilson. Thanks again, Shane, for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Shane, thanks a lot. I appreciate taking the time to come on here tonight. Just how hard is it in this environment today to start a new team like you guys have? You know, I don't know near as much about it as Matt does, but just being around him this whole time, it's definitely not been easy with all the meetings he's had. Just making sure we're aligned with the right people. It'd be super hard to start a race team. He's hired Jim Cassidy that used to work in NASCAR, setting up a lot of these meetings, or he probably never even got to meet with some of these people we got to meet with as far as building this team. It took a lot of work. I mean, it definitely, I mean, we did a press conference in Charlotte announcing the team, but the team was being built way earlier months than that. This, this team started somewhere in February when I knew about it. It's just couldn't really say nothing about it. It was on the, sort of the hush-hush deal till everything worked out and everything was going to be done. And then other than that, I knew it was coming since February, and I didn't sign my contract till I think the end of April just because I wanted to make sure it was done. I, I had a couple opportunities to run teams that weren't going to be so good, and then I really – just didn't want to do that. I have, I still have a mechanical engineering degree. I was really just set to go get a regular job and get out of the racing deal till this deal came along. And he was putting all the effort and the support of people behind it to make this team pretty good. And it's already, I mean, like I said, 18th, not that good, but there's probably not too many teams that don't have a straight up technical reliance on somebody that comes out and run 18th their first race out. So, as far as that's not too bad, and definitely all the room of improvement. But overall, it's, Matt's had his work cut out for him getting this team going and just putting us with the right people to have a chance to make this team as good as it can be. You're halfway through the extended series season already, and you guys debuted out there. You, you, you guys aren't the only ones that have kind of come in mid-season uh, this year. So those two formations of uh, Toyota-backed and affiliated teams. Um, realistically, you know, you guys, you're not going to run for the for the championship by any means, but what are your realistic expectations for the year so that you can prepare in 2020 to run for that championship in the Xfinity season? Yeah, I think this year, I mean, Matt, he ended up purchasing somebody's points in I don't know exactly what car points we purchased, but right now it shows we're sitting thirty fourth in owner's points. I think one of the goals this year would be to get to close to around twentieth in owner's points as possible going into next year just to have our spots locked in and stuff as far as that. And as far as on track performance, I mean we can run in between seventh to twelfth for the next couple races. 
or by the end of the year, not the next couple of races, but so the last half of the, what the amount of races we're running. If we can get to running that consistent between the top seventh to twelfth, and anything better than that would probably be a win for us as a small team moving forward. But other than that, I mean, we got pretty realistic expectations. We know it's going to take time with the equipment and stuff that hasn't been on the track. We have to prove it. I mean, we get info from TRD, but it's still stuff that we have to figure out and make work on our own. So it's going to take a little time, and once Pete and the guys figure it out, we'll be good to go. And for you personally, where do you see that you're going to make the biggest gains throughout the latter half of this season? Um, and, and where do you think that you guys are already starting to work on um, because you know you may not run as good or may not have as many laps on, on some of these tracks that are coming up? Um, so it's kind of just like a two-part question on where you think you're going to run the best at and where you feel like you guys are already starting to work on tracks where you you know going in that you may need a little extra help on. Yeah, as far as I think tracks that we're going to run really good at is the mile and a half tracks. I mean, I think we can go out there start in Chicago next week and be or next weekend and be pretty competitive. Tracks that we'll probably need a little work on is probably like anybody that's not used to road course stuff. But my stuff's probably going to be road course racing. I haven't done much road course racing i think i ran one road course race my entire life so it'd be a little bit there that we'll have to learn with me learning so we'll do the best we can there and just try to get through those races without tearing anything up and see what kind of finish we can come out of there with but i think the strong point's definitely going to be tracks like bristol and then the mile and a half tracks everything else i think we're by the end of the year it's a good with running these 20 races we'll have a lot of notes from running all these races this year for next year that we go back to. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing moving forward is just getting the notes and seeing what we struggled if we struggle and what we do good and just keeping all up together and build on it from there. Shane, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here tonight and talk to us. Before we let you get out of here, we'll give you a chance to thank your sponsors and let everybody know where they can follow you at on social media. Good luck for the latter half of the Xfinity Series season. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, I just want to thank Matt Hurley for putting this deal together, uh, Circuit City, Tamron USA, all the guys at TRD for helping us get this deal together. And you can follow me at Shane Lee Racing on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Appreciate it. Good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. Thanks, Shane. Appreciate it, brother. Shane Lee there, Stephen Wilson. Uh, got back in the seat there. Like he mentioned, he didn't know after he finished running that limited schedule last year with uh, Richard Childress there that he, you know, he's got a degree in mechanical engineering. He thought he was going to have to go to work, and all of a sudden this deal started coming down that didn't nobody know about. He said it all started back in February, and then like like he said, they made the announcement there at uh, at Charlotte, and uh, with TRD back in Shane Lee. You know, Toyota, they put a ton of money into into this sport. But uh, I think Shane's going to do uh, Toyota racing there at HG Motorsports a really good job the rest of the year and in the coming future, Stephen. I really do. Well, like I said, there's, that's, they're not the only team that has come in halfway through this season. Um, you know, the other, the other team is going to run uh, part-time off and on, but... 
um, you know, there's two brand new Toyota backed and affiliated teams that are coming on. Uh, so you know, it, it, it's a it's a starting point for a lot of these cars and drivers and uh, uh, notebooks and you know that's why I said you know realistically coming in this part of the season you're learning for next year and you have to learn for what you can make changes and and get better on um, you know as you go into the 2020 season give yourself a better advantage um, to to go and compete for that championship next year that's right Steve let's take a little quick break I know you're long uh, you had a long winded deal there I did also uh let our listeners know the number to call is 215 383 3681. I'm Tim Despain, alongside SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Live in Caladega, Alabama. NASCAR driver Brad Keselowski, and you're listening to the Pit Stop Radio. We're back live from Talladega, Alabama, and live from right outside of Richmond Raceway, Mr. Stephen Wilson. 
Number to call in is 215-383-3681. Again, thanks for everybody for listening. I want to thank Shane Lee for going in there. I just sent him a text, Stephen, and I told him, thanks for coming on. He said, no problem. Thanks for having me. So uh, and he said he'd be glad to come back on any time. Stephen, we were talking about before we had Shane Lee come on there. I want to congratulate Shane Lee there on that deal he had with Circuit City. But uh, we were talking about the uh, truck series. Now we're going to go into the Xfinity series. At Iowa Speedway there, the Cup Series had the weekend off with it being Father's Day. Christopher Bale put that car in victory lane. Stephen, that Christopher Bale, is it time for him to move up to the Cup Series, or do you think he needs a little bit more practice? I think it's time for him to move up. But where where, where are we going to put all these young guys, Stephen? That's the big question I get. Where are we going to put all these young and upcoming drivers in the NASCAR Xfinity Series in the Cup Series? Because there, there's so much talent there, you've got to move them up somehow. I don't know what the deal is there, brother. What do you think? I don't know where he's going to go. I think that's the biggest problem and what a lot of people are trying to figure out at this point. Um, you know, they've only got so many seats over at Joe Gibbs Racing, and obviously they, um, they have... Um, you know they've 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 maxed out their four cars, so uh, you know I honestly I don't know I don't I don't know what he where he's going to go. Do I think he probably deserves a shot at it? Yeah, I think he does, but where is he going to go? I don't know. Um, I think you can maybe make an argument to the fact of Furniture Row Racing used to be that test bed for Gibbs Racing and TRD in a lot of instances, and we saw that with Eric Jones, but. You know, I think um, I think Levine Family Racing may be an opportunity because now that they've uh, taken part of the the technical and engineering from uh, Jiggers Racing um, with Matt Benedetto, I know that they've thought about it or made at least a couple times have said something about the fact that they'd like to to move on. They'd like to. Um, uh, uh, put another car on the racetrack, and I think that's going to take some work. And you know, if um, Jogues Racing is insistent upon bringing Christopher Bell up and keeping him in the Toyota camp, then I think that would be an opportune spot to put him at uh, with engineering support from JGR. That's a dang good obsession there, brother. And hey, uh, let's go ahead and listen to what. Uh, Christopher Bell had to say to me soon there, I was fully after he won the NASCAR Extended Series racer. Let's listen to this. All right. We are now joined by our race-winning team of today's CircuitCity.com 250 here at Iowa Speedway. In the middle, we have the driver of the number 20 Rude Toyota, Christopher Bell. We also have Steve D'Souza, EVP of the Xfinity Series and Development for Joe Gibbs Racing, and our crew chief, Jason Ratcliffe. We will start up here in the front with Jerry Jordan. We will get a microphone to you. Tom Bryan's going to hustle up here. Jerry Jordan, kicking the tires. Um, Chris, talk about the race out there. You've uh, battling. There was a lot of hard battles at the front with you and uh, with uh, Cole Custer, and uh, you obviously came out on top. But what was it like behind the wheel? Man, that thing. My car was just so fast. Uh, over the at the uh, first stage of the race, the long run, I was starting to gain on him a little bit, and felt like that it was going to be pretty tough to pass them and then we just had really good pit stops really good adjustments and 
uh, just got our Supra extremely, extremely fast. Really early, late in the run, we were really good. So uh, hats off to Jason, and he did a really good job today. Go to Jordan. Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic. I have two questions, one for Chris, one for Jason. I'll ask Chris first. Chris, you've got four uh, victories in Xfinity this, this year, seven last year. Do you feel like you're ready for Cup and you've proven that you deserve a spot? That's not really my place to talk, um, so I'll let Steve answer that. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I think the answer is yes, obviously. Yeah, I think there's a few guys in this series that are ready, and, I mean, that's what the series is for, right, to come out here and cut your teeth, get some laps, get some experience. Um, and I think a few guys are ready to make that step, and Christopher's definitely one of them. We have additional questions for our race-winning team. Go here to Chris. Yeah, Chris, nightcatchfans.com. Christopher, last year this time you had just one win, and this year already you're at four wins. Uh, what's what's the team's potential in 2019? I think our potential is really high. Uh, our big track stuff, I feel like we still need to gain on a little bit, and obviously we're working hard to, to do that. And, uh, man, this was a much-needed much needed win. You know, we went to Dover, and we were able to win there. And Charlotte, I feel like we were, we were right there competing for a win and had a blown tire. And uh, Then we had a rough couple of weeks there at Pocono in Michigan. So um, this is definitely a, a good pick-me-up, and uh, hopefully we can carry some momentum here. I know Chicago is going to be a pretty good test for Homestead, so uh, hopefully we can go there with some speed. We're going to come over here to the far right. Jonathan Fiel with TheRacingExperts.com. Last year you finished second to Justin Allgaier this year, of course taking the victory. Um, what do you think helped you break through and get the victory this year? I think our, our Supra was just extremely fast today, man. It's, um, you know, it, we we were kind of in the same position that we were last year. We started, we qualified second, was running second to Cole. Uh, even at the end of the race there, we, we lost the lead on, on pit road. So um, I think our car was just fast enough to where we could pass today. Uh, Justin was extremely good last year in this race, and uh, I just wasn't quite good enough to to complete the pass on him. Go here to the middle. Mark Schaefer with the Carroll Times. Um, when you have a fast car like you did today, what's kind of going through your mind, especially uh, when you get passed on pit road by cold before the, the last restart? Well, initially it was pretty frustrating, but uh, I knew that I knew my car was. Uh, I thought it was going to be a little bit better than him. You never know because guys make adjustments and stuff, but. Um, I, and I had been getting decent restarts on the bottom, so I was pretty, I was kind of worried because I knew if he got out front, then he was going to be tough, but luckily I was able to stay right there with him, and he, and he slipped just enough into three that allowed me to get beside him, and um, then I could pull the trigger into, into one. Steve, we're not going to let you escape without picking up the microphone. Oh, I was about to say, no one has anything for Steve or Jason. Oh, we'll go to Chris. Maybe he'll steal my question. Well, I just, Steve, I was just wondering if you could comment on JGR's Xfinity program. You know, Harrison had a solid day. Brandon Jones had a solid day. I mean, you guys are getting momentum at the right time at the halfway point. What can we expect in the second half? Well, hopefully we can we continue that. Um, you know, these the, we have a lot of good competitors out there right now, and I think uh, the great example today with Jason and his 20 team, all the people at the shop at JGR that work so hard on getting our cars well, prepared and we do that for all three teams and so that's our goal is to advance each of them. Go ahead Jerry. 
Steve, uh, he pitched it to you a while ago about the uh, the move up to Cup. So, uh, but Jason jumped in. Can you uh, can you elaborate on that? I'm curious to hear his answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know obviously our job here is to expose great talent and uh, develop good racers. And Christopher obviously right now is at the top of that chart or one of them. And so really, I guess what I would say is our job on the Xfinity side is to develop that, expose that. And then Coach Coy and a bunch of our guys at, at the other um, on the competition side and other areas sponsors have a lot to do with that. Uh, uh, but that's kind of where we're heading. Our job is just to do what he's doing right now. Go back to Jordan. Yeah. Sorry, I have to ask this, Christopher. But uh, if you don't get moved to Cup next year, are you going to be frustrated, disappointed? Man, I, I kind of got in trouble last year um, whenever I got asked this question. So, uh, And what I said last year I feel like got taken out of context really bad. So my answer to that is I never really dreamed to be racing in NASCAR, and I get to make a great living right now. So uh, my goal as a kid was not to be a NASCAR Cup racer. Um, my goal was to make a living driving a race car, and I've been able to do that for numerous years now. Um, so if, you know, if I, if I'm truck racing, sprint car racing, midget racing, I've already exceeded my dream or fulfilling my dreams. So, um, whether I'm running Xfinity or cup, I'm living my dream right now. So I'll, I'll be happy. Go ahead. And Stephen, uh, I posed a question to you right before I played that media center interview there with Christopher Bell. A lot of the media members there are asking him, asking C. Bell when he's going to, when are you going to go to cup? When are you going to go to cup? And like you and I talked about earlier, it's just where are we going to put him, Stephen? I I think he's ready. But, again, like I posed this question earlier, where are we going to put C. Bell at, brother? Yeah, honestly, I don't know. Like I said, unless they're going to work a deal with uh, Levine Family Racing or something like that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just – yeah, I'm just not sure where where else he's going to go at this time. And, Stephen, before we jump out of here, I want to talk about the uh, – uh, Al Neese had put a statement out, Neese Motorsports, owner of uh, Ross Chastain's truck. They have appealed the situation there that took the strip to win from Ross Chastain. The appeal boards will meet, I think, in the morning at 9 a.m., and what do you think we're going to hear? What do you think we're going to hear? What do you think we're going to see out of that outcome there? And what do you think Al needs, needs to propose to the appeals panel there about getting the whatever they're going to get redone there for uh, Ross winning that deal? I mean, I don't know how this appeals deals goes, but can you let some of our listeners know exactly how the appeals board goes about going through something like this? Well, in this particular instance, they're going to go against one person. Um, and essentially, the way this works out is just like the if you're in a courtroom being judged by a court instead of a jury, it's the burden of proof is on the prosecutor, which in this case is NASCAR, to prove that the car was too low um, post-race and was not done so through external, uh, uh, an external um, source, such as um, 
let's just say for example their their job is to prove that the part that may have failed resulting in the truck being too low was not designed to break or made with inferior products causing it to break but um, to prove basically that um, that that either is or is not the case and that it wasn't sustained through damage i.e. from a wreck or contact from another vehicle or um, you know just just the result of just a, a part breaking which parts can break so you know it's again they're they're going they're going to have a tough road um, I think it would be extraordinary if this was overturned um, but I think at the same time um, we'll just have to wait and see because you know it's like I said earlier in the show since it's 1960 since we disqualified a driver in a national series event so or at least a race winning driver in, in a national series event so um, I think they'll have to look at this they'll probably be scrutinized very very hard in that aspect especially because this is now the first driver that we have um, disqualified under a new mindset and new rule set um, so I think the, they'll have to dot their eyes and cross uh, dot their eyes and cross the T's and basically the bring the proof is going to be on NASCAR to to show that it wasn't something that was caused by an exterior source. That's right, Stephen. I don't think we will hear the term encumbered finish anymore because that's what the fans wanted and that's what the fans got. And with that being said, the appeal board, I think, they're meeting at 9 a.m. Uh, quote me if I'm wrong. Will we hear a decision sometime tomorrow from the appeals board or will they draw it out? No, they'll probably hear something tomorrow. Dan Ford, brother. And Stephen, before we jump out of here, uh, I want to let you, uh, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series, they're at uh, Road Course there in Sonoma. I know you don't like Road Courses. And the uh, NASCAR Gunner at Door Truck Series, they're going to be there at Worldwide Technology Raceway. I got that one right. It used to be Gateway Motorsports Park for the Car Shield 200. Do you want to uh, throw out the TV times and start times if you can, brother? You got the floor. Uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway Saturday. It's a one one day show for them. NASCAR Gander Outdoor qualifying uh, single lap, two laps for all vehicles. 6:35 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes, I know this is a late one for everybody. It is at 10 o'clock. Um, the NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series um, race is at 10 o'clock on FS1. 167 laps, 200 miles for them at, at Worldwide Technology. Uh, Raceway um, for them. Then over at Sonoma, um, you got Monster Energy NASCAR on Saturday also, 12 10 p.m. Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series qualifying. This will be um, multiple vehicles, two rounds, um, similar as we've seen in the past. Um, then on Sunday, the uh, Safe Mart 350 out there, uh, 90 laps, 226.8 miles out there, 350 kilometers. Um, they are going to run the uh, full course, 
which they have not done since about 1995. Um, so um, there's been some altering in the laps uh, for this. Um, but we will see a return of the full course um, this year. Sounds good, brother. And I want to thank uh, Shane Lee, driver there at HT Motorsports, for taking time to come on. And just awesome deal there. Love to have Shane back in the NASCAR Xfinity Series deal there. And, Stephen, thank you very much for being a big supporter and handling all this stuff there with uh, Speedway Digest. And you're going to be off next weekend. And, again, thank you very much for letting everybody know the uh, schedule. Well, like I said, you're going to be off uh, next Tuesday. I have Scott Rivas, uh hauler driver there at JD Motorsports. He's going to join me. But Stephen, before we jump out of here, I want to let I want you to let everybody know where they can follow you on social media and your website. You follow us at you follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Twitter, Facebook.com forward slash Speedway Digest and Speedway Digest.com. Sounds good, brother. And pray for me. And uh, I want to let everybody know Suzanne. His nickname, Scott Rivas. And Scott has acclaimed his nickname. Suzanne's nickname, Scott Jughead. So we're going to call Scott Rivas from now on Jughead. <laughs> but again, Steve, y'all have fun on y'all's vacation. Like I said, Scott's going to fill in for you, and we'll talk to you Tuesday week. Again, I'm Tim Despain, the Pit Stop Radio, along with Stephen Wilson, com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will talk to you next Tuesday evening without Stephen Wilson. Stephen, have a good evening, brother. Talk to you later.